On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to chat with another agency owner, Tyler Sickmeyer. We had an awesome conversation all about uh, who's winning in 2021 and who was losing in 2021 and the big differences between uh, those two. We talked about some specific ad platforms that you may not have thought of in your e-commerce journey, things that um, Tyler is seeing working and just a really great conversation. You guys are going to get a ton out of this episode today. Hey guys, before we begin, I want to talk to you about how to grow your e-commerce brand in a post iOS 14.5 world. If you're doing over seven figures in D to C, you need to hear this. Back when Facebook ads were absolutely crushing it and driving massive amounts of revenue, setting up basic flows and sending out occasional email campaigns used to cut it. SMS marketing included. You'd see it constantly and so would we when we were looking at accounts at Mindful Marketing. Brands earning 20 to 45% of their total revenue with email marketing with maybe three to four hours of work a month and that's because they just set up some basic flows and then silence but now that the facebook algorithm has stopped spitting out such ridiculous returns where do we go retention but it requires marketers to go deeper than simple templated flows and copy and pasted campaigns which we've seen all the time it requires actually having a system that increases the ltv of your customers and then actually realizing that entire customer lifetime value in a shorter period of time and hopefully even seeing a higher LTV. We're saddened to see brands do all the same things with their emails and SMS, and we're sick of auditing agency accounts who simply set up welcome flows and show off how many sales they make. Anyone can set up a welcome flow, abandoned cart flow, etc. That is the simple stuff, guys. The real key in retention marketing is digging deep into your market, copy, offer, your creative, and then pairing that with a strategy that turns one-time buyers into two-time buyers, into three-time buyers, and on and on, just like we've seen at our brands. So if you want to find out exactly how deep our retention marketing strategy goes, book a quick wins call with our team and we will show you exactly how we drive more repeat sales for our clients and hopefully how you can too. Go to mindfulmarketing.co slash quick wins. That's mindfulmarketing.co slash quick wins, all one word. Now on to today's episode. Hey guys, Jordan West back with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Today I am talking with another agency owner, Tyler Sickmeyer from Tyler. I'm going to have to get you to pronounce the name here. Fidelitas. Fidelitas. Yes, perfect. <laughs> we always joke that if you want tacos, you can go to Fidelitas right upstairs and they'll, they'll get you hooked up. But if you want e-commerce marketing help, you come downstairs to Fidelitas. So. To Fidelitas. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. Uh, Tyler, for people who know nothing about you, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Absolutely. So I'm the CEO of Fidelitas. We've been around for 13 years. Our specialty is serving as more of a strategic partner to the brands we work with. We work with both D2C e-commerce brands as well as retailers and, and some B2B brands as well. And like I said, we really serve as that strategic partner with an omni-channel approach. So even if we're not touching everything, Jordan, we really like to lean in and make sure that we're connecting the dots to the other channels, uh, whether awesome. that's with other agencies or in-house teams. And we just try to provide a more of a holistic approach and our recommendations and strategies, both the ones that we actually directly implement for our clients, as well as the ones that we're sort of just uh, providing some strategic guidance on in the background. So love that. that. Abs yeah. Love, love hearing agencies doing that sort of stuff, right? Because there's so many different factors, you know, being both, you know, multi-brand owner and 
agency owner, I know, I realize like there are some huge gaps that agencies cannot always fill. So being able to be that connector in between is incredibly important. Tyler, let's talk uh, 2021. You know, we're, we're kind of almost in December as we're recording this November 30th. You guys are probably going to listen to this kind of at the beginning of 2022. 2021 was a different... Yeah, happy happy new year, everyone. Well, it depends. Uh, Larry David would say, you know, after January 15th, you do not say happy new year anymore. That's it. It's it's cut off then. Uh, So hopefully this will come out before or else, you know, I'll have to go back and say, sorry, he said happy new year, guys. (laughs) I'll curb my enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So Tyler, let's talk about this year. What have you been seeing where you are with your brands? Let's first talk about what has actually been working in this post iOS 14.5 world. Yeah, I'd say the biggest thing, first and foremost, is investing in your own channels, right? So we always talk about, you know, the PESO acronym, you know, between paid, earned, shared, and owned channels. And really, three of them are very similar, you know, owned being the exception that you can actually control your destiny with what you do there versus the rest of them. Even if you're talking about earned channels from a PR approach, you're a victim to the editors of the article or the producers of the show. With influencer relationships, you're a victim to or, or subject to however they want to present your brand. And the minute they get tired, of you or don't want to work with you anymore, you're done there. Like there's nothing you can do to yeah. maintain that relationship if they don't want to. Paid obviously speaks for itself. You have to keep putting money into the machine to get leads or sales out of that. The rates fluctuate greatly. I know, you know, I heard of a lot of uh, my counterparts in the agency space seeing CPMs over 40 all weekend long as we come off of Black Friday, Cyber Monday. And that's right. And like, that's not man, crazy. No. And then wonder years of $5 CPMs on Facebook and Instagram are long gone. Right. So it's just a completely different world that we live in. But the one constant is your own channel. Right. So that'd be email and SMS specifically. And SMS has kind of made a nice comeback in the last, I don't know, year and a half. We were very early to the game with SMS. We got started actually over 16 years ago with SMS. Wow. (laughs) I know. Uh, Yeah. Very long time ago. Back when we got started, it was literally just, hey, you can text a keyword in and you get a message back. And that was it. Like there were, no, and no that was probably amazing at the time. Like, guys, check out this incredible robot I've built here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we, we were fortunate to meet the right people at the right place. Was Twilio even a thing then? No, no, no th- like, this was this was a uh, software called Moses, which has been bought and sold like three or four times over. Uh, I believe the last parent company was called Hello World or uh, something along those lines. But when we got started with them, basically their clients were Coca-Cola, Kraft, Taylor Swift, and the Portland Trailblazers. And then here was us because we happened to meet them at the right time. And then at the time I was in concert promotion and my buddy was one of the largest uh, independent concert promoters in the world. He actually runs one of the top five. So outside of Live Nation and AEG, my buddy's in that number three to number five spot, depending on the year in terms of total tickets sold. And so he jumped on the platform my recommendation. And so they were just always kind enough to keep us around, even though we were super small potatoes at the time when we were starting out in the agency space. So that's how we got started in SMS. But, you know, to get back to your original question, Jordan, you know, there's so much to be gained by investing in building that list, whether that's running cost per lead campaigns or lead gen campaigns, even as an e-tail business, if you have your revenue per email stat figured out and you know what that metric looks like and what an email address is worth to you at net profit on an annual basis, that opens up all sorts of opportunities opportunity uh, to go out there and buy those email addresses. And I, I, I want to be careful how I say that. I don't mean buy a list, but invest in 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thanks for clarifying that. Cause that, that is something that is somewhere where people do go, right? They're like, Oh, well let's buy like way back in the day. I used to own a Taco Del Mar restaurant, which is like a like Mexican fast food chain. And I remember before I knew anything about marketing, our marketing director at Taco Del Mar was talking to the board and they're like, yeah, we're going to buy a list of 50,000 email addresses. And back then I was like, sweet. That's amazing. We can get in 50,000 people's email inboxes for this. Now looking back, I'm like, what a horrible idea oh, yeah. to buy some cold list and be a spammer like horrible idea that is not what tyler's talking about absolutely so i'm talking about investing in one-to-one acquisition ideally into a personalized funnel and automation flow that nurtures the leads and moves them down their journey to purchase at the end of the day but it's just a far more efficient way of doing things than an icing is if you continue to invest in audience acquisition for your own brand uh now all of a sudden you control the narrative a little bit you control the game you control how frequently you're engaging with that audience you control uh how long the message is or isn't you control what sort of offers you're putting out and your CPM is largely fixed, right? You have a flat monthly fee that you pay to Clavio or a Marsis or List Track or whomever, and that's it. Like there is no continual rising CPM rates depending on the weekend, right? Versus yeah. Totally. It, I was just going to jump in there for a second, Tyler, because I'm, I'm I'm loving what you're uh, what you're laying down here. We talk, and actually, an episode that I was going to um, record as a solo episode uh, in the next little while was getting out of the ROAS trap. Right? It's like for so long, everyone it was just constantly talking about return on ad spend. Well, that was a great number, right? When you're first starting out in business, it's like awesome, dollars in, dollars out, wonderful. I'm making some money on this advertising. But as you become a bit more of a sophisticated business, ROAS is just like, well, what does that tell me? It tells me like on this first purchase that maybe. Maybe this person was worth that to me, but being able to actually know those numbers, right? So like dive into Clavio and, and think like, well, what is this email subscriber worth to me, right? Is it worth just doing a lead gen campaign? Um, to me, that really is where you start to become a bit more of a sophisticated business owner in that sense. And even realizing like using an app like Lifetimely, right? And figuring out what your payback on your customer acquisition cost is. Like, where does that actually get paid back? Do you know when that is? Do you know like which specials you run uh, or which, you know, promo? Uh, to run where you're actually your customer acquisition cost is paid back on time. Those are the kinds of things I think Tyler and I are touching on right now where it goes beyond just ROAS, right? Absolutely. Jordan, I like joke that my pronouns are ROI and MER. You, you know, that's really where we yeah. like to focus the majority of our conversations with clients. And that's even for softer or what I call softer attributable channels like social media organically and PR for another example, where a lot of times it's just like, hey, look at the reach we got or look at the engagement we got. Actually, no, we can actually tie everything back to sales if you're willing to put in the analytical legwork to connect the dots. And even with iOS 14.5, that's what I said. There are ways around it. You know, a, a lot of savvy marketing leaders that uh, are in our circles and some of the things that we actually did for our clients is it's like, hey, like we don't have time to rely on a seven day attributable window Facebook during Black Friday, Cyber Monday, which is just fine. So we had dedicated landing pages for PDPs that we were shoving people through. And so we have real-time data mm. and real-time analytics on what's working and what's not and what campaigns. And yeah, it's a pain in the butt and it's a lot of work to set up and uh, it takes a lot of time. But the analytical clarity that you get from that is priceless as far as being able to actually make intelligent decisions in real time from your campaigns. Because otherwise you just, you, you won't get the data fast enough to make a clear decision. 
No, no, absolutely not. No, nothing like we could do before. And I mean, even before, it's not like Facebook's attribution was Wait, awesome. you mean it wasn't 100% accurate? I feel like. <laughs> well, it was like, it was just super like over attributing basically is what, what we saw for the most part, right? It's like, there was so much over attribution and now there's all this under attribution or under and over, right? Especially if you use some third party tools to, to track it or do like what Tyler was saying, which I call almost like coupon yeah. code drops, right? Like we used to do at the restaurant where it's like you put a certain coupon code out to a certain area so you can see did yeah. that work right that was like the old school method of doing things and that's that was kind of the best that we had at the time for in in the restaurant world yeah, and, <laughs> and we certainly have some more sophisticated tools to tap into just thinking of the average uh marketing you're listening in that perhaps doesn't have the resources to uh drop several thousand dollars a month in software or if your ad buys aren't large enough to tap into true uh clicks to bricks attribution if you're trying to drive retail traffic like there's there's a lot of ways to go get that data you just have to make sure that you find a model that actually works for your business and is consistent and trustworthy at the end of the day. Totally, totally. One thing that we've talked about on this too is just defining whatever that source of truth is for your business, right? If it's Google Analytics, awesome, go for it. But make that your source of truth. Whatever it is, you need to have a source of truth rather than picking and choosing and going all over the place to all of these different platforms. Tyler, what, who were the losers in 2021? What did those brands look like? And I'm not, sorry, I'm not calling them losers. <laughs> But who who was losing in 2021 as far as brands are concerned? Sure. I, I'd say any anyone that tried to stick to a shotgun approach. Uh, I mean, heck, we saw it with even, even over the last weekend, you know, using kind of recency bias here as we record this the day after Cyber Monday. You know, brands that were shotgunning their entire list, regardless of whether or not they made a purchase three days earlier on Black Friday, you, you know, without any sort of personalization, those brands are really coming up short. And then the same thing on the, on the paid ad side, if they're not taking the time to connect the dots between their customers and what they're doing and they're just spraying and praying it's no different than buying a billboard you know i know i know it's digital marketers we've all looked at uh companies that buy billboards and like did you just like have 10 grand uh light on fire is that what this was like what is this an ego play like did they buy you some sports tickets to some event that you wanted to go to like what did they do did they blackmail you? there were definitely drinks yes. involved yes, no matter absolutely. what like I, that's, <laughs> that's what it's so funny I, I bust uh one of my account managers her boyfriend is the sales rep for one of the billboard uh companies here in san diego so I, I bust his chops all the time, but uh, you, you know it's it's just a uh, it, it's just tough to quantify, right? And I think so many times brands have fallen into that same trap. Uh, that brands have fallen into that same trap of non-attributable marketing spend in the digital space, and just while we're here. They're checking the boxes mm -hmm. and saying, well, we have a TikTok, but they don't know what they're doing with TikTok. They don't know if they're monetizing it. They don't know what sort of actual revenue is being driven by TikTok that, you know, or they just keep shoving money into Facebook and they're running it. What really uh, maybe a net one market efficiency rate ratio at the end of the day. And if you are running at that rate, you're yeah. losing money. And it's incredible to me how many media buyers and agencies don't account for cogs in their formulas. Like this, just hey, like like you said, like it's ROAS. Look at <laughs> look at the shiny ROAS. I mean, and we've all Jordan, we've all seen those Facebook ads for look at the four X ROAS we got these guys, and it's like great. Did they make yeah. money? Did they scale, or did it stop at fifteen hundred dollars a month in ads? Like what? Like let's talk about yeah. Oh, I can show I can show you multiple. Like I remember, we had this client back when we first started, and uh, we only owned one brand at the time. And we we worked with this client, and they had a thirty-two return on ad spend over a month, but they'd only spent seventeen hundred dollars or something, right? Awesome! I'm gonna shout that from the rooftops. But like, that doesn't actually do anything for the yeah, business. Yeah, would they have a dealership and they sold one car? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, all that this was doing is probably taking a bunch of low-hanging fruit anyway, yeah. right? So it's, it's to, Tyler's exactly right, that un- unless you take cost of goods sold in there, right, which is so important to know, like, first of all, what are you selling? What are you, and for any agency owners out there that are listening to this podcast, and I, I know you're out there, I know you listen, thinking about, you know, these are actual businesses that are running that need to make money. And so, you know, you may want to push a certain product, but that product actually may not be profitable. And then have you even dug in to see if those people make, repeat purchases, right? When they buy that specific product. And and there's great, like I said, again, these guys are not sponsors yet, but Lifetimely, you can get all that information out of them, right? Like it's it's incredible the the kind of info that you get. At least drop an affiliate code in the show notes. That's like the third time you've mentioned them. Like we got we gotta get you You know what, Tyler? Our listeners will know that I have never used an affiliate link in my life. I don't know what my aversion is to it. I think it's just like I just want people to trust me. So we don't use affiliate links, people. Just uh yeah, just get lifetimely to pay you off of their MER instead. That's a much more solid way to get paid back as a podcast host. So <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly. Tyler, where do you see things going in 2022? Who's going to do well, who isn't? I'd say anyone that's savvy in the influencer marketing space has a leg up on the competition. And obviously dollars are going to continue to migrate away from Facebook and Instagram slowly. What's funny is, you know, I'm not selling my meta stock by any means. Like I'm still very bullish on the company long-term and I think their revenue will hold steady, but savvy dollars are going to leave and dumb dollars are going to fill their shoes and keep the CPM rates high as competition remains saturated in that space. But, but I see immense opportunity on channels like TikTok, for example. I think YouTube is still undervalued from a marketing standpoint. But at the end of the day, one, you have to invest. You, yeah, Tyler, you, I'm just going to, I, sorry, I, I'm totally walked all over you there, but I just want to stop you. And I want to ask you why you think, especially as a marketer to a marketer, why is YouTube so underutilized and undervalued I'm by brands? I'm glad you asked. It really comes down to creative. It's very easy to yeah. get into Canva and throw a static ad together as a media buyer and upcharge a client uh, creative retainer uh, for a bunch of static images and just launch and go, right? It's no different than buying uh, than buying candy in the checkout aisle. It's an impulse purchase a lot of times. It's like, oh, I, can, I don't even have to have creative. I can just boost the post. Perfect, right? Like, you know, who needs targeting? I'll just, just boost it. You know, more of that. Yeah. Right. And so there's, there's a lot of that with Facebook and Instagram and it's just a lower, it's just a lower threshold to get involved. You have to be pretty savvy on the uh, YouTube side, as far as what you're setting up and why, you know, the, I think, I believe the statistic is now you have an average of seven seconds to capture someone's attention before they've mentally checked out and moved on. So yeah, on YouTube, the, on, on, on any platform, on any channel. Yeah. In our conversation, you know, like if you, you know, if you and I sit down next to each other on the plane and I say, what do you do? And you don't have a great answer for me in seven seconds i'm mentally checked out like that's it's, it's the same with life in general so i may be outing myself there with how i am with conversations but in in general the average human works that way it used to be i think even as recently as like 10 years ago it was more like nine or 10 seconds and it's actually gone down because yeah. we're all staring like this at our phones 95 percent of the time right we're in the era of instantaneous yeah. entertainment right and so that has a drop down effect on our attention spans for everything else youtube included so you got to remember, people don't go to YouTube saying, man, I hope I can see a great ad today, right? Like there's, you know, they're there to watch. Unless you're marketers yes. like us. So unless you're, <laughs> unless you're doing your homework for, uh, it, it's, it's so funny. I have, to, I have to cheat. So I, I usually get an earned media hit. I go on TV and talk about Super Bowl commercials every year and I stream. So I, I'm a cord cutter. So I'm on YouTube, like finding all the commercials the days before to 
I need to do my homework. Because oh, the yeah. last thing anyone wants to do is be sit there and forced to do their homework during the Super Bowl, right? So I try to have like all my commentary and everything done so I can just sit back, have a beverage and enjoy the game. That, But but YouTube's great for that, for marketers. But for the average person though, they're there to see whatever content they went there to learn, whether that was, you know, like I love the guy's channel that, that he's basically like, you know, things my dad taught you or whatever. Like he, he like teaches people things like how to tie a tie, how to unclog a sink, like yeah. all that stuff. Like people go there for great content like that and, and from these awesome content creators. They're not there to see marketing messages for the most part. And so if you're going to capture someone's attention and become a part of the conversation with them and build a relationship with them, then you've got to have great creative. And most brands don't have the yeah. budget for great creative. I always tell people, you know, they'll come to us with a 50 to 100K a month ad budget. And then they'll be like, well, we have $2,500 for the quarter for creative. It's like, wait, what? Like, why would you? Like, <laughs> don't, it's just so, that's so yeah, classic. Uh, it's yeah. like, what do you want us to do with? Like, like you, you know, and same, I always tell people, it's like, look, like, you, you know, you're going to invest serious money in putting your message out there. Make sure you have a great message to sell. Otherwise, we're wasting the yeah. rest of it. And so we always tell people, invest in great creative once. I Ideally, we do it from the standpoint of a content pyramid, so to speak, right? So you get your big, you know, two minute long hero anthem video for the brand, right? And then you have a bunch of yeah. snackable 30 second, 15 second, and seven second snippets that you get out of that for pre-roll, mid-roll, etc. You get content that you can then turn around and run into Hulu ads or any other connected TV platform or that you can run through, get through other native platforms like Facebook and Instagram. The only place it doesn't work is TikTok. And that's another reason why I don't think brands have really moved into TikTok as much as they can is the same thing. It's creative and it's not even the same. You can't take a video shoot that you do no, for YouTube. Totally, I'm like, yeah. Well, we'll just multi-purpose that out of the pyramid Tyler was talking about into TikTok. It doesn't work that way. So it, at the end of the no, day. no, no, no. It's a different, it's a different beast. And I think that's why so many brands are so late to the show on TikTok. And sorry, it's so late to the show. It's, it's not too late to go on TikTok. It's just getting started. <laughs> it is. But I think that's going to be the other big migration of ad dollars. It's, I was just talking with a buddy in the gym this morning. One of my guys I play basketball with, he's got 3 million TikTok followers doing parody videos and comedic stuff. He built that, he started on TikTok around the time COVID hit. And so in a year and a half, he's built yeah. up a 3 million person audience from scratch. And how he did it was basically consistency and just being consistent with great content. But I told him, I was like, dude, I'm like, you're going to have a phenomenal 2022 as long as you keep your account in order and don't do anything foolish. I said, because more and more brands are looking to figure out how to get in there. And the best way to do that is to have an original post from an influencer and then be authorized by that influencer to go out and pay to promote that influencer content yeah. with an e-commerce link attached to it. Whether that, I don't care if we're talking about Crest toothpaste or a coffee subscription brand or, you know, cuts or built clothing or anything or a car, right? It all works the same at the end of the day. There's, yeah. there's so much potential there. And the amount of eyeballs that you can get in front of, and again, the targeting is still weak compared to Facebook and Instagram, but if you have a fairly broad-based audience, like for example, like your, your uh, former taco restaurant, you know, everybody eats three times a day. A good chunk of the population likes Mexican and will eat that at least once in a Most while. Most people. Right? So that's a uh, pretty broad audience that you can go serve ads to on a regular basis. You know, that said, if I was a little bit more niche, you know, maybe I'm a little bit more hesitant with how many ad dollars I'm putting into that platform, but that's all offset by doing your homework on the influencers that you're partnering 
with in the first place. Yeah, totally. Uh, Tyler, this is great. We're actually nearing the end here. I got to ask you the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. What is your secret to scaling? Uh, always be testing at the end of the day. You've got to divert at least a part of your budget to test new channels and test new platforms. And right now that's Web3 and everything in the crypto and NFT space. And Jordan, we could do a whole second podcast on that. And maybe we will at some point. But I always say like, look, like you've got to divert some budget into testing different things, testing different channels, testing different opportunities, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't. And if it doesn't work, don't go back to it or learn why it didn't work and improve it and then fix it and, and make that channel work for you in the future. But if you just get stuck rinsing and repeating, you'd still be running radio ads and billboard ads like it's 1998 all over again. Right. So you, you have to test and adapt Absolutely. Early, uh, other, if you're going to continue to find the inefficiencies in the market. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's great, Tyler. I got three more questions for you here, Tyler. I hope that you are ready. ready. All right. First question, favorite tool or app that you're using right now? Uh, the default answer would be Clavio, but I will say, uh, I, I just, I love what they do from an email marketing standpoint. I will say though, our, our team is using a new tool to do influencer outreach called Upfluence and that that's, that they've been pretty happy with that. So I'll give Upfluence a plug today. Upfluence. Awesome. That's great. I am not even sure if I've ever even checked out Upfluence before, but that's great to know. Second question for you, favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to? Well, shameless plug, the Lion Share Marketing Podcast. Uh, we have a podcast for marketing leaders as well. So if you like dad jokes, uh, actually, so Jordan, what we did for our 100th episode, we cold open every episode with a marketing joke. And so for the 100th episode, we literally ran back all 100 previous marketing dad jokes. So I'm proud to say we're 120 <laughs> episodes in and we have not recycled a joke yet. So there really okay i highly recommend i have i haven't even listened to it yet but i highly recommend the lion's share marketing podcast thank you and then as far as just a, a great book like for anyone that just wants to sharpen their leadership skills all of the patrick lencioni books uh five dysfunctions of a team the ideal team player all of his books they're told in fable story they're they're an easy listen and so many great insights uh you know i always say like look if i could go back and just not pay for college at all which has done me zero good in, in the course of my career career and just read uh Patrick Lencioni, Jim Collins uh, with Good to Great would be another one. But there's a handful of authors like that. Like you could just read them and be pretty darn close to yeah. where you need to be as a young leader starting out. And then the rest just comes with experience. And totally. The interesting thing with, with those books, especially those like sort of pivotal ones, I, I think of like, and I talk about this all the time on here, but like Seven Habits. It was like one of those books like you read and Good to, Good to Great is another example. It's like I read it in my mid twenties and or a little bit even earlier than that and don't get it at all. Like, ah, oh, I don't really understand this. And it's like every year you go through experiences and your mind opens and you're like, oh, that's what he's talking about. I get it now, right? And so I find those books, those are just like readovers, you know, like because they also read you a little bit in the situation that you're in. So great, great answer, Absolutely. Tyler. Thank you. One more question for you. If you could uh, sit down with anybody for an hour, they have to be alive. Uh, you can have coffee, tea, beer, wine, whatever you like, maybe a snack. Who would it be? Ooh, that's tough. Any one person for an hour. I mean, the self, that, that, that's, man, it depends on if I want to be altruistic with my answer. And I'd say the president, regardless mm. of who the president is, just to go lobby for causes that are important to me and try to make some points. But, yeah. you know, out of selfishness from a learning standpoint, man, I'd say any of the uh, any of the OGs in uh, advertising always lo love to learn from folks that have come before us. Right. So I'd say no, anyway. Absolutely. Especially because what they would have to say is probably incredibly relevant. Yeah. Right. It's just like, it's all like platform agnostic. It doesn't like, <laughs> doesn't matter with any of that. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Tyler, thanks for coming on. This was a really great conversation. I'm just so happy to have uh, you on here and I'm looking forward to coming on uh, to your podcast as well. And I, I think our audience got a lot out of this. They want to find out more about what you guys do. Where can they connect with Absolutely. you? Absolutely. So one of the easiest places you can find me on Twitter, T Sickmeyer on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. There are not that many Sickmeyers, S-I-C-K-M-E-Y-E-R if you want to find me on LinkedIn as well. And then of course, our agency website is FidelitasDevelopment.com. Fidelitas F-I-D-E-L-I-T-A-S development.com. would love to uh, connect with as many of your listeners as possible and keep the conversation going. Awesome, Tyler. We'll make sure to put all those in the show notes, guys. Thank you so much again for listening and have a great week. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Hey, guys. We hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.